Hello, welcome to some Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Fast and Furious, the fourth Fast and the Furious movie, <laughs> the Vin Diesel Drives Cars Cinematic Universe. But before we do that, Buddy, what's the folks at home what is we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we like to talk about games. Okay, yes, so it is Fast and Furious. This is the fourth one. It is nonsensically named these are all nonsensically named but we, they're just getting crazier as we go okay they're just getting crazier and crazier um yeah so this is the fourth one i think it came out yeah let me let me look at the actual time 2009 okay interesting so it would have been wow really when did tokyo drift come out uh, i only know this because when you search for fast and furious it brings up this the like Apparently, the series is sometimes known as Fast and Furious, not the Fast and the Furious series. So, like, <laughs> because, like you said, these are all nonsensically named. Also, by the way, I gonna, we, we, our objective is to get all these done for the release of Fast 10. So a bare majority of the next 12 to 13 weeks are going to have to be these episodes. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, because the Fast 10 trailer, uh, it didn't premiere at the Super Bowl, but it was played yeah. during the Super Bowl. Um, featuring Jason Momoa as Dante. Did you watch the trailer? No. I've been trying to okay. avoid trailers because good. Know, also, next week is Quantumania for us, and there was also a Quantumania trailer. Oh, uh, true. Um, and I didn't want I, – I was like – I loved actually the cinematic teaser for Quantumania. Like, when are you gonna come down? I probably shouldn't sing yeah. that. Um, we could probably get copyright strike for that. Yeah, we're gonna get copyright strike. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought that was super fun. Uh, so you know, so I just want to go into it bare and not know what's happening because I, I love, as fans, longtime fans of the show would know, I love Ant Man. Um, or more, perhaps more accurately, I love Paul Rudd, and so. Um, the Ant-Man series is generally my favorite, so I'm trying to be on the pulse. But anyway, Fast and the Furious, this is the fourth one. Buddy, I think I interrupted okay. you. Yes. So, comes out in 2008, 2009, I'm sorry, three years after Tokyo Drift. Um, the, the importance of this movie is that it is the, when the franchise gets back together, right? So in the first one, you have Dom Toretto, Brian O'Connor, right? Then in the second one, you have just Brian, but you introduce some of these side characters, um, Ava Mendez's character, um, you know, Roman obviously being the most important one. Um, then in the third one, you're, we're really far afield, Right. We're, we're in Tokyo, we're dealing with Han, we're dealing with Sean, we're dealing with, you know, the that whole crew. Um, and then the question is kind of, is, is Fast and Furious going to recongeal back into sort of its roots or not? And the answer was, it is, okay? And the roots of this, of this series really are Brian O'Connor and Dominic Toretto, right? These are two guys on opposite sides of the law, right? But also they are true friends, right? Um, I'm we, we can skip the homosexual subtext of all of these movies for now. We'll just say they're friends, okay? Uh, and Fast and Furious does the important job of bringing them back together and having the movie be both about, you know, Dom and Brian kind of reconnecting and what that and what that reconnection sort of uh, sort of looks like obviously the uh the inciting incident to to this film is uh letty 
played by Michelle Rodriguez, dies in the opening in the opening of it. Um, and it's sort of this murder mystery to figure out who is the person to to have killed her and sort of why, right? Um, Brian and Dom are both going after you know the person who did this for their own reasons. Dom is motivated by revenge. Brian is motivated by justice. Uh, and can they kind of resolve their you know differences in order to take down what will end up being uh, drug runners? For, I can't. I, do I, I don't. I don't want to spoil anything. But it is revealed pretty early on that the thing that is happening is that Mexican drug cartels are recruiting. Los Angeles street racers to run drugs across the United States border for them. That's 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 the the that crime the basis plot. of this plot. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is uh, a much. I, I the thing that is so striking to me about about Fast and Furious, it is the most realistic and serious the series ever gets. Right. What the series is always sincere, but it is not always built on this sort of veneer of really realistic even though i i do want to stress that the plot is about los angeles street racers being recruited to run drugs across the border right uh but it is it, it is treated more like a gritty crime drama um in the in the vein of michael mann movies like heat uh or collateral than it is sort of a heightened surreal crime drama that we would see later down the line with something like John Wick, for instance, right? Okay, John Wick has this unreality to it that I think is in keeping with sort of later Fast and the Furious films. Um, but Fast and Furious really takes itself seriously uh, in, 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 like a, in like a realism sense, which I find to be an interesting choice, I guess. Yeah, no, um, I guess that makes sense. Um, so how do I I don't know like I, don't, I, I have trouble calling it realistic because it, it's not right like like <laughs> is it the most realistic of the movies that we've seen so far maybe like I don't know one did not seem that sort of like fantastical to me right I think one's a better movie like so cards on the table I think this is the worst of the movies we've seen so far. I don't know if you sure. agree with that. I would um, agree with that. Like, I think three is the best that we've seen so far. And I think two is worse than one. But okay. that is where we differ. I think two is better than one. Okay. Yes. So I think two seems like it's fundamental in a way. Right. But like, this is kind of like the, I, I hesitate to call it like the matrix effect or whatever, but like, it's kind of in that, um, like, it works well, or, like, maybe Star Wars Episode Four, right? Like, the first movie isn't, or, or first movies are rarely made with the expectation that they're going to get sequels, and so it's, like, a complete picture. Um, whereas two seemed kind of, from, kind of silly. Um, but this one, so, my fundamental, I, I don't think I can get into it too much without doing spoilers. We haven't technically hit the spoilers section yet, but um, I think I'm going to say that, like, the things that I enjoy in The Fast and the Furious, I think, are in shorter supply in this movie. And on top of that, it feels like there's not a lot of the world established here, right? Like, the first one, street racing is cool, right? Like, I'm sure it's inaccurate, right? But, like, it's, like, you know, a thing that, like, kind of like how John Wick 1, like, implies a bunch about the world around it. I feel like 1 yep. and 2 
and even three do. This one feels like it's kind of like off to the side doing its own thing, and maybe that's like I know the story gets more like superhero-y towards the end, and maybe this is just kind of like act one in that, but like it feels like it's very just kind of like, well, this isn't really related to anything, right? Um, and so I don't but even it does, get... So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 definitely, I definitely do feel that. I'm sorry, you can finish. Oh, no, that, that's... Uh, that's like the, the sum and substance for the for like the meta plot in this movie seems to be, uh, you know, Letty dies. Right. Um, and dealing with that. Right. And that's fine. Like, you know, I about half of the movie. I thought to myself, did they just make a movie to explain why this actress couldn't be in the movie anymore uh, or in the series anymore? Um, and um, and I don't think it's a great movie besides that. So I don't even get that kind of like world building aspect. Uh, benefit out of it but sorry you were gonna yeah say. i like uh, i i think it is important that it brings that it brings like dom and brian back together because really like those two are the heart of the series right sure um and i think that the core of their sort of like you know rivalry friendship is is important to sort of like what what goes forward and there's one other thing that i think that this movie does that i want to i want to call out which is the opening sequence when they are robbing the truck in uh, Mexico or, or or Costa Rica or something like that, like some Central American. Yeah, the, the fuel truck. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it number one, it puts Han in their crew because um, it is Dom, Letty, Han, uh, and then like you know, um, oh God, what are their names? There, there's there are two other like minor members of the yeah. of the Fast and Furious crew. There, it's like it's like Santo and something like Paco and Santo. Or yeah, some, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> some some like pair of kind of goofy guys. Um, that sequence I actually think is the best thing in the whole movie, right? And yeah, it I agree is with the that. thing that carry that carries forward into everything else. Well, uh, one of the big criticisms about Fa Fast and Furious is that there's a lot of CGI and that the CGI really detracts from, you know, what, what's going on. And I do think that that is a real criticism um, that permeates a lot of these sort of like of the of the early movies. Like in the very first one, that movie wasn't didn't have a ton of cgi except for like you know going into the engine or whatever right um and so there was something about the stunts as they were playing out with like you know vince jumps onto the truck driver's thing right or there's obviously the, the stunt that we all thought was cool was watching the car go under the the trailer because it's so it's so low to the ground like that that sort of thing like those stunts were were real and sort of neat then they get a little bit crazier in two and in and in three in three it is obviously much more about like the handling and so um uh you know it's the it's the things of like how close can you get a, a cgi car to a cgi wall like that that kind of thing but here boy the cgi looks so bad and it is so out of place because i think the world itself is trying to be this this realistic gritty sort of um uh, you know, crime thriller sort of version of Fast and Furious that it sucks so hard. The entire climax, I was like cringing at how bad it has aged because it just, it really looks just like CGI cars driving through CGI tunnels and it looks terrible, right? So um, I'm actually going to say that I think the CGI in this was better than in 2. Like 2 felt like they, like this was like no one had learned any tricks. Right in this one, I think the truck opening was really bad, but I think the tunnels. I thought the movie was like hard to see at times what was happening, yep. and like the tunnels and the darkness and the dust 
I think effectively masks some of that CGI cringe. So I don't think it's as bad as two, which felt to me like watching like need for speed on like, you know, a vaguely <laughs> realistic highway. So, you know, um, I will say it's better than that, but like I, maybe for the time, right. Like it was, you know, it's worse in context, but I, but I, I, I see what you're saying. Yes. I, I, I yeah. agree. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and the thing that I like about the opening sequence when it comes to the CGI is I think the CGI works better in a, in a less realistic world, right? Um, it's kind of like the difference between maybe I would say like the dark Knight and like the Avengers, right? Like the Avengers CGI is probably a lot worse than dark Knight CGI, but because the dark Knight is like going for a more realism for like first sort of approach. It has to, you know, famously it doesn't use a lot of CGI and that's, and that's to its benefit. Right. Right. Um, and I feel like th this movie is mo more akin to the dark Knight, but all of its, all of its action is CGI and it looks terrible. Um, which is, which is part of like, I don't know, part of, part of, part of my, my thing about this, but I don't know. We can do, we can get into spoilers if you want. Yeah. I, I, just, um, just one more note on the CGI. Cause this is something I, I actually wonder is, is the CGI made worse by the fact that the trucker is real in a lot of the sequences. And then when it's doing the bouncing thing, it's CGI. And you can tell it's clearly a different thing than the thing you were watching before. Right? Like, I wonder if that's a significant factor. Huh? But yeah, I, I wonder, I mean, like, yeah, like, I, like Hmm. I guess, I don't know. How, you know what? I don't know how I feel about that, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, spoiler time, I guess. This movie's 13 years old. 10 years old. Yeah, 14 years old. Yeah. You know, spoilers for this movie that isn't very good, and you don't watch for the plot anyway. Um, <laughs> um, so, what do you want to talk about here? Because I, oh, uh, man, I don't even know. Uh, I guess I want to say, first of all, I the one thing I liked about this, I guess I want to start on a positive note, is that it was not effortless to get Brian and Dom to team back up together. Yeah. Right. Um, I like the, you know, like one of the things I liked about two is the layering of stakes at the end, where it's just like everything is going, everything is going wrong. It's all like they are so close to dying, right? And I got swept up in sort of the you know sort of the the plot forward momentum of all of that being layered on top of each other. And I think in this movie, I get swept up in something similar, but on a character level for Dom and Brian, right? Um, where the whole sort of beginning of the, of the movie, which is, you know, Dom is back in Los Angeles. He's a fugitive from justice. Brian is working with the FBI again and is trying to locate Dom. And there's this tension and friction between him and his sort of like FBI, you know, like, is he gonna, is he gonna go rogue and point break again? Or is he gonna, you know, is he gonna, is he gonna do, do right by, by like the law, right by, by justice and stuff like that. Um, and I think the easy cop out sort of thing would have been to sort of, um, you know, maybe kind of acknowledge the, the falling out, question between them uh before uh just sort of, sort of effortlessly bringing them back together something like the avengers does does a similar sort of thing um where you know the the team fight each other right up front but basically just kind of get on board and they're all working together even if there's friction sort of later on down the line but like they like no for the first half of this movie like these two men are diametrically opposed and like actively fucking one another over because they think of their 
you know, like they think things are mutually exclusive sort of between them, which I think is neat. And I think that that's uh, that's fun. And it adds a lot of uh, and it adds a lot of good stuff to the opening drama, I guess I would say. Um, the fortunate thing is that the opening drama doesn't include all that much action, right? Like, or at least action in the sense that, you know, well, uh, I was going to say, I, the stuff we I, I think I think Brian Brian's like FBI opening sequence is actually pretty good. Right where he like tackles the guy onto the car. I thought that was pretty, pretty neat, pretty fun. He's it's okay. on foot. It's a foot. Yeah. It's, it's a foot chase. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that that is that is that. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about like car race yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But that's true. Yeah. Um, also, just kind of in that too. Like clearly, the big thing here is like GPS is a new thing, and so they have these fancy GPS units that can tell you which direction they. Wasn't it? Isn't it annoying when your GPS keeps trying to reroute you, buddy? Isn't it? <laughs> In two thousand nine, with technology. In two thousand nine, when you have your yeah, Garmin, you had to buy you had to buy a little computer yeah. for your car, like stick it to your yeah. thing, because not everybody had phones. This is right right on the precipice of smartphones. Right, right. Um, this, is, this is when you had like a Garmin or a or a TomTom in your car to do navigation because your phone wasn't capable yep. of doing it yet. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I did. I guess I did like his his foot chase. Um, I like a lot of the like the drama on a low level with the stuff in the FBI. There's that one actor. Hold on, hold, now I gotta look this up. Um, uh, there's this one actor there who just like is the most like normal guy who I love to see in this role because he's just so goddamn. What is this um, the, the weenie? The guy that gets beat up. And has like a yeah 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 yeah. And it has a, uh, a scar on his nose for the entire movie. Um, yeah, he, Shane Wiggum. Shane Wiggum. Oh, that sounds familiar. Um, yeah, because he, he's in a he's in a bunch of things, uh, and he just like does a good job at like this role, um, and and sort of uh, and sort of I don't know like being. Uh, the archetypal sort of like law in. enforcement friction. By the way, I think the two guys I'm thinking of are. Uh, now that I'm looking at them, Tigo, his name is Tigo, really? And Omar. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah. Oh, Shelley Wiggum was a detective in Joker. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I always think of for in like the, that is, he, I, I don't want to say it's his most famous role, but it feels like it's his most famous role is um, the... Uh, Boardwalk Empire. He is the brother to to, to oh, okay Steve Buscemi's Nucky in, in Boardwalk Empire, and he's in a bunch of these. Yeah, and actually, it it occurs to me that I see him as a credit in F nine as the same guy as Stasiak, uh, but I don't actually know. But it, it makes me appreciate the the, the continuity of F nine even more now that I see that, <laughs> that it's in there. Uh, uh, it was about half of this movie when I like looked at like the female, the new female character. I'm like, wait, is that? Gal Gadot, and sure enough, it is. Yeah, it is, and it is also like her first role. Basically, one of the one of the things that was funny when I like did my big deep dive is how many people really got their start in the Fast and Furious franchise, and the answer is like quite a lot. Like The Rock made it big off of his appearance in the next movie, which is Fast Five, right? Um, Gal Gadot shows up in this one, um, and is obviously kind of uh, like her you know jump into into stardom it just feels like there's uh there's kind of a lot of that yeah 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 um so what else about this this movie um 
<laughs> Are we already out of things to talk about 20 minutes um, in? <laughs> so, so, like, what? So, the villains in this movie are, you know, there's, like, the... Uh, I, I will grant you that it's... that it's There's so little to go off of that it's actually a, a fairly... It's fairly decent at being a twist. We're like, I did not see the man in the suit not being the real guy um, initially, right? Like, I don't think... But, like, also, it's not like there's a lot going... Like, it's not, like, Briga, right? That's the villain's name. Um... So the two main villains are Briga and Phoenix, um, and uh, Phoenix being like a the you know the, a big uh, a, um, yeah like the enforcer type yeah. yeah but he's also like the he's also the one that like you know that Dom wants to kill right because he because he directly killed Letty um, I don't know uh, Briga just seems kind of like whatever like they, they don't seem super active in the plot which like it just kind of seem like forces to be acted against which is fine it's just like not. Super, they're not super compelling. Like, I don't see a good reason why the old man in the suit even exists. Like, 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 there's no explanation as to why Briga gets called away, who we don't know is Briga, into the back room and has this drink with this old man, which leads Paul Walker to believe that, um, that the old man's Briga, but like, and, but like, there's, there's, there's like no explanation for, for any of that, right? Like, um, or why he, you know, he got brought up out to, to, to do the drop, right? Like, um, like it feels like there's, like, a missing scene where, like, Briga figures out that everybody, like, that, that they think that the old man is is uh, is Briga, right? Because uh, otherwise, it, I don't know. I, this feels kind of nitpicky, but it also gets kind of obvious. Like, why? Like, like how, how does any of this make sense? But, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. These films don't feel like they're, they're very well put together to me. Do you have any thoughts? Um, do I have any thoughts? Yes, in the sense that I do think I think is Braga is uh, is Braga. the guy. I think the thing that sucks about Braga is they kind of like the the unassuming crime lord thing has been done a couple of times. You know what I mean? Um, like there's a there's a number of different you know versions of this where um someone is sort of eventually revealed to be like the it is the it is the quiet it's the quiet guy right right um and there's normally a level of menace that comes with that. actually okay i have a great example of this so in the in the in the in the comic book fables right um for the first couple of books of that maybe the first like 25 30 issues right um there was this question of who is the emperor right so fables is the story of a bunch of like fables from you know fairy tales and stuff and they all live this like secret life of whatever in a in a you know neighborhood in new york city um and the reason that they're in new york city is they were on the run from the, this fabled emperor who has taken over and oppressed all of their magical kingdoms in 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 his gigantic empire, right? Um, and for a while, there was this question as to who was the emperor. We didn't know, right? Um, there, and eventually, you learn, you find the emperor, and you learn that he's this gigantic, super tall, massive, huge orc guy, and he is you know, gigantic and domineering and all of this other sort of stuff. Um, and then in the course of a plot twist, you actually find out that that emperor is a gigantic puppet that has been wished to life by the real emperor, who is the incredibly powerful wizard. I know this sounds dumb, but trust me, Geppetto, right? P Pinocchio's dad. 
So it turns out that Geppetto has been using his powers to make, you know, these puppets turn real to make a set like this incredibly strong army of, you know, wooden soldiers who are like impervious to all this sorts of damage, everything. Um, and, um, and he is both quiet and unassuming, but also really menacing, right? Because there's a lot to his subterfuge and the way that he has been, uh, you know, kind of manipulating the, the things from behind the scenes or whatever that gets revealed. And it's, and it's a satisfying, a satisfying reveal. I don't think Braga comes up to that level of interest because the, you know, the guy who they meet, you know, his name is, um, uh, Campos. Um, he's just not, he, like, he has, he has the, the, the sort of unassuming nature, but he doesn't have the menacing nature, right? So when the transition is sort of supposed to happen, I just kind of don't believe it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, like that he's too bra braggadocious to have been, to have hidden the whole time. Or yeah. Something like that. And like, like, it, it, it's almost like, uh, it's, it's like he, you know, it's like it is insisting that he is actually a threat, not showing me that he is actually a threat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. really what it comes down to. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, that 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 totally makes sense to me. Also, like, it also kind of like uh, this is just coming to me now. I I watched this right before we recorded, like maybe like finished like a half hour before, but like, sure. It kind of implies that everybody that isn't the new drivers knows who Braga, like that, that who Braga actually is, right? Like, which seems, it seems, it seems like maybe there's just like something dropped on the cutting room floor where like these drivers are supposed to be disposable and that's why they don't ever tell him who, who he actually is. And Phoenix knows because Phoenix is like trusted bodyguard or whatever, right? Like, um, where it like, it feels weird to have like not cut. I, I to kind of cut anybody. Maybe it makes sense because like Dom immediately turns around and like you know blows everything up by being like "fuck you," right, and, and trying to kill Phoenix off the bat. Um, also, again, a thing. Yeah, and then they and then they go back to like the that that the house, the the Fast and Furious house. Yeah, they hang out with Mio. Yeah, I actually think that is maybe a piece of it. Part of what is missing is the real threat. I guess, like, Letty is killed, Letty is murdered, but she's kind of, like, murdered in a murder mystery way, which is, like, you don't really know who killed her or why for quite a while, um, and when it becomes clear later on, because that mystery kind of gets solved, the punch of it doesn't hit the same way, right? In comparison to something like, um, you know, the way Drew Barrymore's character dies in Scream, um, you know, she's, she's, Scream is a horror movie, obviously. Um, but in Scream, it is a similar thing where like the, the impetus for the plot is this, is this killing that happens sort of on screen, right? Like initially or whatever. Um, but because in Scream, there's real, there's like, uh, there's real tension around it. Um, and the, what has happened is less of a question. It's just kind of more who has done it. Um, 
maybe maybe it works better kind of along those sorts of lines. I'm mostly wondering who killed Letty and why. And you learn that stuff out at the end of the second act when Brian says that Letty was working undercover um, for like for him. And there's that drama between him and him and Dom. Um, but I, I sort of wonder if like there's a different way of framing all that stuff up front to actually like make it. So, so this I, I think that, I think the reason it doesn't hit so hard is because the part where she's working for Brian isn't actually like it's not really a mystery or it's not a necessary part of the mystery, right? Like we find out all the constituent like like there's a complete theory that happens kind of immediately. When I was kind of amusing, Dom does his version of the mind palace thing where he's like, he like sees the like the skin marks <laughs> on the road. Oh my god! Holy oh. shit! That is the most buck. <laughs> honestly, honestly, of all of all Fast and Furious stuff, that is the least believable thing that has ever happened <laughs> in the Fast and Furious film franchise. Holy shit! He just like he like lo- he like looks. He's like hmm. Skidmark. Oh, mm, oh! Look at this rock that's out of place. And he does the like the CGI recreation <laughs> of her whole crash or whatever. And I was just like, man, like, really? The, I I understand that you're good at cars, Dom, but like, come on, buddy. Yeah. So like, I, I wonder if this is like because the, the, the things I think of are like, like there's one of those Sherlock Holmes series that does does the kind of rec- recreation thing. I feel like it's, pro- it's, it's, it's a trope, right? But the one that pops to mind the most for me is Willem Dafoe in um, Boondock Saints, where he is figuring out what happens as they're playing. Because, we, we, you know, it, we, we see both sides of it, but obviously Willem Dafoe's character. Have you seen Boondock Saints? Uh, you know, I have, but I don't know the reference you're making. So, so after, after their heist, their, like during their first heist, Willem Dafoe is okay. the detective who's going out, who's trying to figure out what happened, right? And Willem Dafoe is reconstructing it in his head. But what we see are the saints actually doing it, right? Because Willem Dafoe is like trying to figure it out and imagining what happens. But instead of showing a recreation, it's showing what actually happened to us because we, we are an om, 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 omnipotent, um, uh, omnipotent viewer. Um, anyway, that's what I thought maybe the, the point, not really relevant. Um, point being that, um, that Dom doing this, right, tells us that someone killed Letty in a car, right? And like the person who does it, it's not like it's a, it's not like the reveal is like, and it was, you know, um, I don't know, Ramon or something, right? It's not like it was a character we know. Um, basically someone killed Letty in a car for some reason. We already know that Letty's like, you know, a criminal character, right? Like, um, so like the explanation that she got mixed up in something bad and she got killed for it. It's like a satisfying enough resolution, right? Like the twist that she was working for, for Brian in an attempt to clear Dominic's name is like appreciated, but not necessary, right? Like, Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, I think I do agree with that. Like, that's not really a mystery. Yeah, right? yes. Yeah, yeah. Her, her motivation for being there isn't a mystery until it's revealed that it's for something, or it's, it's not a mystery. It's just an extra detail that gets told to us, right? Like, the mystery is solved the moment that Dom figures out that, like, somebody killed her with a car, right? Like, who, and who it is is a unknown fact, but it's not a... It's not really a mystery in that, like, it's not like we have, like, there's no tension in that, like, oh, there's, like, a group of people and we don't know who it is. It's just kind of like an external third party that you need to figure out. It's a crime story and not a mystery, if that makes sense, 
right? Yeah. Like yeah, and there's and there's a lot of stuff that like connects those dots, right? Like because there's the 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 part this meat of the story, which I do actually think works, right? Where Dom is figuring out that you know um, there's this special kind of whatever at the crash site, and he uses that to connect it to the guy and. You know, Brian also finds that guy, and they have this whole, you know, like like all of that stuff, you know, basically works for me, right? Um, it's kind of when it goes off the rails a little bit is when it becomes one more about the cars, where I think the the car action is less satisfying, except for that first, you know, heist, right? Um, basically, all of the other, you know, because there's the race that they do for um, for Giselle, right? Um, and then there's like the stuff at the end, um, and like there's, the race that they do for Giselle, like maybe that works on a character level because in that race, like Dom, kind of I, sabotages is the wrong word, kind of sabotages Brian. Um, you know, like it, they're they're all trying to get this this spot with Braga, and Dom stops Brian from getting one of the spots by beating him in the race. Um, well, the the only spot, that, right? And then Brian yeah. gets a spot by by having. Um, having the, oh the, the, right the, yes the, that's what happened the, okay. yeah, the other guy yeah. yeah he gets the other guy arrested yeah 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 um but yeah so so that yeah. th that's like the one moment where they're like like I said at a character moment that's the one that's the closest to they come to come to being actually like that's that's when they're the most opposed right because they are fighting each other for this mutually exclusive spot right um each of them believes in their in their own cause. And then it needs to be done, right? Um, and they're willing to fight each other for it, right? Dom obviously pulls a dirty move, but he does it, right? Um, and then Brian manages to to we he so I I will actually give the movie credit in that it doesn't explain to us, you know, that getting him arrested is how he gets the second spot. It just kind of shows us and lets the lets the viewer like understand that. Oh I, yeah, I yeah. feel like in a modern movie, they like they'd have like um. Uh, Shay Wiggum's character be like, oh, and so he's arrested, and so he got another spot, or something like you just say it out loud because you know they wouldn't trust the audience to understand it. But um, yeah, that's the. Um, but yes, I I agree with you that like I I think that race like that is the best race in the film because it's basically the only race. Um, but I also think it's pretty decent as a race, right? Like like I feel like the action in these movies differs between races and like car stunts car combat maybe yeah like car yeah car combat would be a good yeah uh, good way to put it i mean funnily enough the races pretty much end here yeah uh i don't know that there is another true race oh in the series in any of the, in the, in the yeah so for instance famously in fast five there is a part where the characters say <laughs> they're like if we're gonna do this we're gonna need some sick wheels or something like that and then it just it cuts to them walking up to a Brazilian street race and then cuts to them driving into their garage with the cars that they won in the race. Like the race isn't even, doesn't even get shown at that point. Right. Um, and basically from here on out, it's all like miscellaneous car stunts, but like races barely feature into it. Interesting. That's, that's kind of a disappointment. Um, Cause like, I, I think Tokyo Drift did a very good job of like, marrying the two right because like it's a race they are yeah. races but like it's technical races rather than like flat speed races right um yeah yeah i mean it is um <sighs> yeah okay that's that's interesting maybe maybe there is a case to be made that there is some 
quote unquote racing that's uh, that that has to happen. But like you know, f- f- kind of from here on out, it's I think it's rare that there's not guns involved. There's not sure. explosions. Involved. No, no, I, and, um, you know that that kind of a thing, which I think makes it car combat, right? Yeah, I mean, so I think maybe so. I I think you're. I, I see what you're saying. I think maybe the thing I'm differentiating here is that like. Like, the stunts around the oil truck, right? There's not an actual, like, strong speed... Or there's a going fast element to it, but it's not a strong speed element, right? Like, the element here is the car maneuvering, right? Where it's like... Yeah. Like, you're not... You know, you're not... You're not trying to go faster than another car in most most of this, right? Like, um, and... Yeah, I mean, this is one of the things I liked about 2, right? There's the race that they do in the middle. And that race has... First of all, it has real stakes, right? Like, they have to win. But it also has the, like, the the tension is built into the progression of the race. When they fall behind and Brian pulls his gambit where he plays chicken with the other car in order to gain up, like, gain a bunch of ground or whatever. Like, that's like a race. That is the story of one man racing another man using tactics to win the race, if that makes sense. I don't know that that kind of thing ever happens okay, in Okay, yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, to, to 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 that point, right after that race, um, like the drug runs are fast, but like the first one isn't isn't a it's it's not like a, a race against between cars. It's like a time trial, I guess, right? And like that that also the time trials don't. I feel like time trials on screen rarely feel that tense to me, just because like well they're gonna make it. Right, because like they have, because the plot demands it. Right, this isn't like a video game yep. where like you have the where you have the option of having the characters fail and you restart. Right, like, um, and it's not like it's a speed like it's not like it's a, a speed comparison either. Right, like it's like there's a helicopter overhead and it might see them. Right, like they, and they're in formation. They're doing that, and then the and then it's not it's a second. I guess it's drug run, but like the the second race out of Mexico or the the yeah the race out of Mexico. Right, like that's. I think it's framed as a race, but like it's not shot like a race. Maybe is the way I want to say it, right? Like, like neither none of them hit Nos in 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 the in that, and it's not like it doesn't feel like they are fighting each other. Like it, it feels like it's more about getting through the tunnel than it is about like beating the other people, right? Yeah. Like, um, maybe some of that's just kind of like the, like the decision, like like Dom's in like a clearly like far behind. Uh, Brian and uh, and and Phoenix, right? Like, which you know is, is a good setup for 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 the revenge moment. But like, it, it feels like it's just kind of like a, you know, it feels like it feels it feels like a set piece more than more than a race. And I and I also don't think it like hits as well because it's all it's it's like you like what I said earlier. It's dark. It's inside a tunnel. There's not a lot of dynamic stuff happening between the cars in the um, in the tunnels. Really, there's apparently a pile of explosives there for no good reason. Uh, that they that the Dom forces one of the car, you know, it's a pile of explosives there explicitly for Dom to get somebody to drive into to, to bring the tunnel down, right? And put tension into the scene. Yeah, I mean, I know that when I construct clandestine tunnels to smuggle drugs across, you know, the border from Mexico to the United States, I make sure to pack a ton of explosives into this really highly valuable tunnel that I am using as the core of my heroin trafficking business, right? Like, uh, I don't know. I think I, I think I probably agree. Honestly, I think maybe it's just the character element. I think the best races in the series so far have been races that have had that really um, 
kind of core character element and tension to them, right? For instance, there is a time trial that I think is good, which is um, Brian and Roman on the highway, right? And it's because they're sort of doing this dance, this friendship dance, right? Um, where they're like kind of reconnecting their, their, their you know, they're 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 doing banter or whatever, right? But that is functionally a time trial to like who can get to the I don't remember what it was. It was like twenty five thousand dollars in an impound lot or something like that. And it's just like because it has that element of these are the two characters. Here are what they you know what what their their goals are, what their relationship is like. Here is how they are beginning to change and kind of grow alongside one another, right? That carries the race into something more special right and in a similar way the race between dom and brian has has like similar subtext in in this one in four right um and i guess i just think that's the only thing that has it and kind of after that one it sort of feels like everything is plot mechanics and less character mechanics right because i guess i maybe maybe the thing that the movie is failing to invest me on is really the like the story of revenge about dom and letty um, well, it's, it's, it's you know, I think part of it is like Phoenix isn't really a character, right? Phoenix yeah. is just like a thing to have revenge taken upon, right? Like, like there's no, there's no turmoil there, right? Like no one wants to see like Phoenix win or like there's no, there's no conflict there, right? It's, or the, the, yep. the only conflict is, is, is external, right? Like is, you know, we want to see Phoenix lose, but like, it's, it's not like, it's not like, you know, in the race, you know, you might personally prefer, um, you know, Dom or Brian, but at the end of the day, you kind of think you, you you're rooting for both of them as the deuteragonists, right? Like, yes. Um, it's not even like there's like you know you know Phoenix is somebody's brother or something, right? And like there's like some tension there or whatever. He's just he's just he's a guy that purely exists to have revenge taken taken upon, yeah. right? Like, there is some neat stuff with Giselle, um, because uh, the the movie is sort of trying and failing to give. Dom, I guess another romantic sort of subplot um, with with Giselle, and I like that stuff because I like Giselle. Um, you know, Giselle is a. I, I think just honestly, there's something about Gal like Gal Gadot has this vibe that is really counter to. I think maybe it's just that she is like a like a an elegant and graceful and you know. Um, uh, sort of uh, like she can hold her own with all of this testosterone in the room that just like it sells it right. Yeah. Whereas which which I which I appreciate about Giselle uh which I appreciate about Giselle a lot with Phoenix and with Braga like ah or Campos whatever Grampos and Braga the same guy I just kind of I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm I feel like the problem like. I'm sure Giselle turns into a better character, but she also doesn't like have a lot going for her. Right. Like there's like, she like, I guess works for Briga. Right. And, uh, has the hots for Dom and then Dom saves her life from Briga. And that's basically all that happens with her. Right. Like, and like, doesn't she, she doesn't she wait, how does she help him? Oh, uh, so th she tells them like where, where to go in Mexico. Yeah. Or, uh, um, I guess like, that's not even clear. Like, they they show up and they talk to her and then the plot happens right like yeah yeah um and hey I like I get it that's fine right like I don't know 
do any of these movies pass the Bechtel test? Um, I don't think. I don't think there's. <laughs> yes, a... actually, no, they absolutely do. Um, but uh, uh, I don't think this one does. Yet. I don't think there are two women that Definitely talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, well, so Mia is back. Dom's sister is back, and she is kind of a um, like minor. Right, right, but but Mia never talks to Giselle. Is my point, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Mia, Mia becomes like a member of the Fast and Furious like crew going forward, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Mia always feels like your 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 friend's wife who like comes to D and D but doesn't know D and D stuff. You know? What I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> which is funny because obviously like part of what makes Dom Dom is like his uh, his whole relationship. When when it comes to cars and racing and his dad or whatever, Mia has that same relationship, and she will eventually end up doing car stuff in the future. Um, at least I'm pretty sure. But it's funny that she's just kind of part of the crew from, from yeah, yeah. essentially here on out. Yeah, well, you know, they killed off the other mainstay, fe- excuse me, mainstay female character, so you gotta gotta have yep. another one. True. Okay, I have like nothing more to say about this. I don't one. think I do um, at the end of the at the end of the day, this movie sort of sucks, and yeah. I think it is it is the. I think all of the Fast and Furious movies are at least okay, except for this one. I think this one is actually bad, um, which is unfortunate because I also think it's very important viewing to the franchise as a whole because you do have to see that moment of Dom and Brian getting back together um, in order for, like, stuff to make sense. Or not, like, stuff to make sense, but, like, for their relationship to make sense later down the line, right? Um, Because where things pick up in Fast Five, uh, it takes their – them – you know, so the one thing we didn't talk about, at the end of the movie, Dom gets sentenced to 25 years in prison, right? 25 Um, to life. Yeah, 25 to life, Yeah. And and then Brian and Mia and Giselle. Is it just those three? Oh no, it's 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 uh Tico and the, the Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Santos and the other guy, whatever their names yeah, are. Yeah. Um uh, the, 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 those guys. They break him out. Or they implicitly break him out. You don't you yeah. don't actually see it happen. Um But uh he Like, this is what what creates the the crew, right? This core Fast and Furious crew. And it's important that Fast Five picks up with that crew intact and existing. Um, Even if, you know, like, it wouldn't... Like, you, it, it, it would be hard to skip from three to five and have that make sense. Especially because there are, there are a number of people who are sort of reintroduced into the plot here that are, that are interesting. Though I, th- I want to say this also puts Fast Four earlier in the timeline, right? Because Han is a member of Dom's crew in Costa Rica at the very beginning. So this is a prequel to Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Even though Tokyo Drift, everyone is using flip phones, and by 2009, we're not in flip phones era anymore. It's only yeah. going to get wackier from there. I mean, I, I, it makes me wonder why they decided to, like, time it how they did. Because, like, like the way that, he, that Han shows up in this movie, like... Tokyo Drift could have theoretically happened between the opening of four and like the plot of four, right? Like, like in between when he when Dom leaves uh, when, when Dom leaves to go on the run and when he comes back to solve the murder mystery, Tokyo Drift could have easily have slotted in there. 
Uh, but I guess they decided to not do that for reasons. Yeah, I think it's because Han is uh, is just like a great energy in like the full crew, uh, like the full Fast and Furious. Crew. Oh, does Han, um, does Han come back in in like five and six? Oh, is that a spoiler for you? Wow. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, I don't. I, who cares? Han, right? Han, like, yeah, yeah. At the very least, Han shows up in the next movie. Okay. Uh, because part of his thing um, is, you know, uh, like the. He he just gets kind of added back into this crew that is set up at the end of four, basically. That, so um, so that, you'll see. That'll make sense. That that makes sense. But when at the end of the of the opening sequence, he says, "I hear things are going pretty crazy in Tokyo." I figured that's oh that, yeah. <laughs> he goes to Tokyo, and we never hear from Han, Han again because he dies in the, the last movie. <laughs> Yeah, true. That is that is. They could have gone that route, but everybody liked Han too much, mm-hmm. myself included, because he's my favorite. He is my favorite character. Maybe that's why I don't like this movie that much. Is there is no there is no good Han action in there? You know, in there. Yeah. All right. Well. That's, okay. This... Do you have any predictions for Fast Five uh, and Six and, and Beyond coming out of this one? I, I know what. What do I know? I know The Rock shows up at some point. I know Jason sure. Statham shows up at some point. I also know. too true. Um, I know that like doesn't John Cena show up at some point? That's like much later, mm-hmm. right? I know Paul Walker dies, and they have that moment where where, where Vin Diesel and Brian like like look at each other through the windows as the road splits. These are like yep. these, are, these are the things I know about the Fast and Furious. <laughs> there are some uh, there are some Buck Wild things that are coming up, and I guess uh, I won't say anything more about that because getting you know your honest reaction to some of this stuff is what makes this fun. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I- it is. I, it is kind of crazy to me that uh, that um, we are so aligned in terms of what we think is good and bad in 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 these movies um not not that there's a lot of disagreement there there is not a lot of like you know in like star wars fandom right you know you could you could have a million different arguments with a million different people on how to rank those movies i don't think there's that many arguments about the fast and furious movies everyone pretty pretty much agrees you know one of them is the best one four is the worst one you know uh tokyo drift is better than people thought you know, even though it sounds fucking stupid, right? Like, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, only other thing I want to mention about this since we, we did talk about the Bechdel test is there is so much gratuitous woman shots in this. The one, the, the, yeah. the, the one that got me, like, because, you know, like the woman being sexy in the various parts are like, okay, whatever, right? Like that, that makes sense to me. Is a GPS program having like the sexy woman when it counts down to zero. <laughs> We're just like, what? Yes! Yes! Oh, oh that and, yeah. and also, um, you can tell that they wanted to make the count, like, the guy that gets arrested a loser because he's a foot guy, right? Like the, yep. <laughs> Yeah, because he has a foot fetish. Yeah. yeah. Gotta do a little kink shaming, yeah, you yeah. know? <laughs> uh, okay, well, uh, you know, I guess that's that. Yeah. Uh, how, how, how... Buddy, did you watch the big game? I don't know. Uh, Super Bowl? No. No, 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 no. Not at all. Okay. I heard that there's a bullshit call at the very end. Is um, that right? So, um, so first. You want, you, you want to explain this drama to me? Okay. So, here's my Super Bowl stuff. My father, my father-in-law is from Philadelphia. Uh, he's from Eastern Pennsylvania. So, he's an Eagles fan. And he's very excited. And he, and he asked, he was like, do you guys want to come for our Super Bowl party? And I was like, No. 
<laughs> that's that's like it. That's all I knew. I knew the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, and that, that's all I could go go off of. So I, I will lay out a couple of things here. First, my biases, right? I am a New York Giants fan. Always have been. Sure. Always will be. I fucking hate the Eagles. Philadelphia is the worst city on the fucking planet. I hate ah! it. <laughs> yeah. Is, is that like a real rivalry? Like, is there a, like... Oh, a, so, so know, they're, like, they're the, in the same division, right? Like, they're so like... Okay, yeah. Um, so that, that is a the real rivalry. The Steelers and the Ravens have a huge rivalry, yeah. right? There's there's some of these that I that I happen to know of. Um, okay. But the, the Eagles and the Giants are a real rivalry. And not only that, but like they are close... Like, New York and Philadelphia are close enough... Prox, pro, they're close enough in proximity that like you can go to like the fans of one can go to the away games at the other, right? Like, at the other, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. again, my bias is my dad's a Giant season ticket holder. I have gone to many many games, and the Eagles fans always show up to the fucking Giants Eagles games. And they're always fucking terrible. I hate. <laughs> um, the least surprising thing to me was like somebody posted a video of them flipping a car before the game started. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but yes, so um, uh, that that be, that all being said, so what happens is is at the end of the game or very close to the end of the game, um, uh, there is a holding call that causes the the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, who are the 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 opposing team, to get a first down, and this basically so. It's not that they probably wouldn't have scored. It's that that first down let them run down the clock and basically get get a get a near guaranteed field goal without a lot of time for Philadelphia to do anything in response. They had like eight seconds left on the clock, um, whereas they would have had close to a minute to maybe like make some plays and would have been like you know uh, the, to to maybe try and counter score if they could. Right? Like there's there's a moment where they try and let one of the Chiefs players score a touchdown so they have enough time to respond and the Chiefs player does a smart thing, stops short at, like, the one-yard line and, like, lets them run down the clock. Um, now, wow. the, dra- the drama here, and this is... So, it's debatable, but I think the bigger problem is, is that the moment that is being shown in most of the clips of the holding is, like, a guy, like, barely putting his hand on the guy. I think the call was supposed to be about a moment... So. Holding's a tough call to make in the first place, but yeah, in yeah, yeah. in the course of the play, earlier in the play than the clip that is typically shown as the holding call, the same defender grabs the jersey of the player, and that's more clearly a holding call. Still kind of yeah, debatable, yeah, yeah. but like the one that's been, the clip that's being shown is like basically nothing, and I understand why somebody would be aggravated about that, right? If I'm being really fair, um, but I also think that the call was supposed to be from the earlier action that there isn't a nice close up close up of. And I think that's more justifiable, still arguable, but much more justifiable than the thing that people are mad about. So Um, it's not – okay, that's interesting. People have framed this to me as they threw – like that call cost Philadelphia the game, right? Which is to say Philadelphia was winning and then this call happened and then they – lost based on based on this but that doesn't seem to bear out based on like those facts right like you know there's a difference between you're losing and you the call is against you and you lose your opportunity to respond that's you losing harder right but like there's no guarantee that in that that last minute they would have made it back right so so full full context right at that moment it was tied 35 35 kansas oh okay philadelphia is ahead the entire first half second half kansas chiefs come back hard managed to gain a lead um Philadelphia comes back, scores a touchdown to down two and makes a two, a tough two point conversion to tie it up. 
And oh no! I love the, I yeah. love two point conversions. Two point conversions are so cool. <laughs> yeah. No. And you know, it's it's a good game of football. Otherwise. So and then Kansas City mar- marches down the field, and the my evaluation, the consensus I've seen online is Kansas City probably scores at some point in this drive, regardless of that call. Right? If that call okay. doesn't get made, maybe it's a field goal right there. And Philadelphia has a chance to march back down the field and, you know, touchdown, you know, to put them in the lead, right? But, like I said, with, like, a minute left. But it definitely – that, that call cemented <laughs> Kansas City as winning the game pretty pretty tightly, right? Like, Yeah, I – I all of a sudden now, – now I understand. Because the, the story of making a two-point conversion to tie a game is – incredible drama yeah. this is the, this is why i love two-point conversions they are so dramatic they make for incredible like narrative right yeah, to, yeah. to any game that they're in because they're so fundamentally risky right um and uh and so yeah the idea that they they made a two-point conversion to tie it back up and then lost you know lost to to a call from the refs makes for a very you know uh, the, uh, good, good story. I think the, the other drama on the Super Bowl is I don't know if you know anything about the stadium, um, but it is a stadium in Arizona. It is a stadium with uh, I think it's a partial roof, um, but it has a real grass field. And the way that they enable this is the entire grass field slides out on literally it's on like a tray slides out next to the stadium so it can get sun, right? Like. They literally slide the field out to sun and water it. But the field was, like, super slippery. People were, like, falling on their asses. That's a kind of exaggeration. But, like, there were a bunch of big falls. Patrick Mahomes, a QB for the the, the Chiefs, hurt his ankle um, and played through it. Like, um, so, like, that, that's the other big piece wow. of drama is, like, what the fuck happened with the field? Um, uh, yeah. Um, it's uh, But that, that, those, were, those were the big kind of pieces of drama. Honestly, I would say if you have the opportunity again, Go to, a, go to a Super Bowl party if you have the opportunity. They can be fun, right? You don't have to watch the Super Bowl. You can just watch the commercial. Like the, the, uh. No, I, I used to do the Super Bowl every year with my dad. We would do um, we would do fajitas was our uh. was our uh, was our tradition. We would make big, you know, steamy, you know, hot fajitas uh, and watch the Super Bowl together. And neither of us would have any you know, stake in, stake in the games or whatever, you know, even, I mean, there were a couple of Super Bowls that were mildly related because my mom is from Pittsburgh. So the Steelers have been in a bunch of Super Bowls. We watched the, I think it was two, wasn't it two back to back that Ben Roethlisberger won, like right as he became QB that, that um, would, or maybe it was like, sense. uh, I, I maybe, I maybe misremembering the, 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 the Steelers remember, have won a bunch of Super Bowls. They are one of the more dominant teams historically. Yeah. 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 And then, um, uh, and then the, the Giants, obviously, because we were living in New, New Jersey at the time. Uh, the, you know, the year the we graduated high school and the year we graduated college were, the, were, their, were their big Super yeah, Bowl wins. Yeah, with Eli Manning. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so th- those, were, those were like the big deals, right? Obviously, last year was the Rams, uh, which, you know, yeah. like they play like a mile up the road from my house. But <laughs> um, yep. it's, it's tough to – it's tough to, to – uh, so, so, care about about the Super Bowl. It feels like sometimes. My, so my my extended family used to my it was the, the three great American holidays. My extended family used to get together for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and the Super Bowl. Um, and the Super Bowl. <laughs> but the thing the thing was is that like the guys would always watch the game, and the women folk would always gather around to watch the funny commercials. Um, that was. <laughs> 
But that that was like the like the legit the dynamic, right? Like the, the, all you know the the, the the women wouldn't pay attention during the game, and the men wouldn't pay attention during the commercials. But um, yeah, some some traditional some yeah some traditional American values, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean we had a little bit of that, but it was always for the Cornell hockey. There's a there's one Cornell hockey game that gets played one every year at Madison Square Garden. Oh, okay. I think it's Cornell versus Harvard. That makes sense. Um, they play uh, at Madison Square Garden, so that's like a big deal that you know we would sometimes do that because um, my family was much more hockey oriented um than we were uh football football yeah, yeah football hockey hockey and baseball were like big for us like i i played baseball i played hockey my dad played hockey um you know cornell like my family is very tied to cornell because of my grandfather teaching there so you know my dad went there my aunt went there my sister went there um and so the cornell hockey team has like a you know is is like an important kind of like fixture in sort of in sort of what we're what we're about and, and what we do. So, so are you, are you the, the black sheep or perhaps the blue sheep, blue jay of the family? <laughs> well, no, my dad also went to uh, Hopkins. Oh, okay. Uh, he went to Hopkins for, I mean, much more, he, for grad school. Okay. Uh, he went to SICE. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't even, I, didn't, I should, honestly should have applied to Cornell because I probably would have gotten a good, like, if you're, if you have a family member who's a professor, you get, like, Pre- these preferable financial aid packages oh, or whatever okay. um but i was n- i did not think that far ahead <laughs> I, I get that i mean um so you know cards on the table i got rejected from cornell and mike z, uh, our friend mike z both of his parents were alumni and he got rejected as well um Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, competitive year yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh I I, don't, I I got in pretty comfortably i feel like to uh Hopkins to Hopkins, but I think that was because I wasn't applying as a as an engineering or like a doctor. Uh, one of the things that was funny was when I they ask you what your like intended major is, um, and I later learned that when you put down writing seminars, they send your application essay to professors in the writing seminars program, and the professors give their you know like they're the ones who essentially rate your your acceptance essay which i thought was very different and very interesting but yeah well that's one of the things i i have heard about uh my particular acceptance story to hopkins is that when when you go to hopkins and you are specifically looking for a program that's not the meds the the pre-med program um it it like wildly changes your chances uh because of how they're looking to you know whatever get different types of students yeah and so how my understanding is that Hopkins doesn't have like a formal pre-med program, but like the, the typical pre-med majors, the most famous, which is biomedical engineering, do have kind of like more stringent acceptance criterion yeah. and you could transfer in afterwards. Like uh, our friend Rohan um, was like a chemical engineer and basically like bullied his way into a BME double major. Cause that's like the way he operates. But uh, um, that's true. That is the way he operates. Isn't it? Um, <sighs> but, uh, but yeah, um, <laughs> So now that we've gone down college memory lane, um, uh, but yeah, uh, so the Super Bowl was was my week. It was uh, the focus of my weekend. I think it was it was it was fun. Um, uh, you know, I don't think there were any commercials that I thought were particularly great. Um, the the one the one that popped out to me the most was probably the uh, the U two commercial, um, just because uh, the ad was like um, about UFOs and like that was also the major news story of the day. Um, oh yeah, because they shot down that UFO. Well, the four yeah. four of them now. Uh, have you not been following this? 
Well, so I have not been following super cl- I The thing I followed is that, no, they're not fucking aliens, which was an article that got, put, like, we don't, like, they didn't know what they were, but that doesn't mean they're fucking aliens, you moron, was kind of the, yeah, the, the, tone. the, the, the just, yeah, I'm sorry, hold on, I could find, I, I, I should, I should I'm, find this so that you can include it in the, uh, in, in the show uh, notes, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. there was also, like, what was it, um, so, the first one was was known, a known Chinese spy balloon. The next three, we don't know about, um, or you know, we don't know about. The military says at least the first one they know what it is, but they're not saying yet. Um, somebody asked somebody in the military about aliens, and he responded like, or extraterrestrial, and his response was, "I'm not ruling out anything," which is like kind of exactly the the response you give if it's definitely not aliens, right? <laughs> like, um, yeah. I mean, fun fact: I found this from. Uh, um uh, Super Bunny Hop actually is the person who, who retweeted this article onto my feed, and then I went to go read it. The title of the article is "It's Not Aliens." It'll probably never be aliens, so stop, please, just stop. <laughs> There's no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity with these recent tech to takedowns from Ars Technica, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. yeah, I don't know, right? Like, I, I feel like if it's if it's like, I feel like the the more important thing is if it's aliens. I don't think we'll ever know, right? Like. You, do you believe? Do you believe in aliens? Um, I think there is probably a greater than not likelihood that there is other there is other life in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like, like it's like Fermi paradox stuff, right? Like, I don't yeah. know if the likelihood of it being intelligent, right, or their relative advancedness as compared to us, right? But, um. I think there's there is like there's life out there somewhere else, but like, I also don't think that if they were coming to Earth, that they would like send octagonal shaped things above, you know, like Huron. No, yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely agree. I think that they're probably somewhere. The universe is so insanely vast. This is a Fermi paradox, right? The universe is just so absolutely insanely vast that just by the numbers, right, there probably are others. Um, and uh, and I would definitely agree with that, but I don't, you know, like obviously I don't think that there's been any we've had any alien contact uh, along yeah. along those sorts of lines. Yeah, the, the just o- because of how hard it is to travel through space. Yeah, no. the The only way I think that it could be aliens is if it was like, <laughs> excuse me, bless you, like an escape pod scenario, right? Like like a Clark Kent, right? Like not that I think that that's oh, likely, sure. right? Like, but that's the only way that that that's the way that aliens show up in this manner. Um, is like you know some escape pod is in the atmosphere. It's not like I don't think anybody's intentionally contacting us this way, and I also don't think it's probably aliens, regardless. But um, bless you, bless you. But yeah, that's you know some derps talk about aliens. Okay. Um, yeah, some derps, some derps talk about aliens. True, um, true. Otherwise, I've been playing WoW and been playing God of War Ragnarok. Um, something that I realized the other day that that's kind of fun to me. Oh, and also Marvel Snap. But the the thing is about Ragnarok that's been interesting to me is like i feel like god of war ragnarok might be the most dark souls experience i've had actually which is a weird thing to say but what i mean by it is like if i ever got frustrated with like very frustrated with a boss in elden ring or dark souls 3 i'd be like calling in other people or doing summons that's not an option in god of war ragnarok and the new god of wars are a little bit slower paced and have like the um, it's not quite as commit focused as, um, as, as Dark Souls was, but like, there's definitely a, 
a level, and I play on hard, there's definitely a level of, you have to do it if you're going to win, right? Like, you can't just, like, let it go. You, you can't just, like, um, cheat your way through it or, you know, like, easy mode your way through it. So, um, although you, you literally could, you could turn down the difficulty if you wanted, but you can't, what I mean is, is you can't, um, there's, there's no, like, way around it. Um, but, you know, it's been, a, it's been a good time. How about you? How's your week been? Uh, how's my week been? What have I been doing? I've been doing WoW stuff. There's a lot of, like, maintenance stuff that I've been doing in WoW um with professions you know just like they're they, like the weekly stuff for like mining and herbalism or whatever is like the therapy that i've always wanted just like some reason to just fly around and mine to a certain you know for a certain amount of time each week is like amazing and i have been enjoying it quite a lot um i finally got to the point on one of my characters where i can guarantee uh five star um alloy crafts which is which is really nice and useful it means i can start really like really making money on on these alloys in the way that i've always kind of like wanted to be making this sort of money um and then i got like some like i got like a rare blacksmithing uh hammer uh on tonric who makes my weapons um and so he is now set up to make like extremely good weapons and i made a 418 hammer for myself on bear nice which is like Honestly, one of the coolest things that has ever happened to me in World of Warcraft. I am going to forever cherish the moment where I got to make myself a functionally best-in-slot weapon on Tonric, who, like, you know, I've been, I've been playing Tonric for 12 years. I've been playing Tonric since um, Wrath of the Lich King. And his backstory is that he is, like, a master blacksmith, right, who makes these, like, insanely powerful weapons. Um, and that has never been a real thing that I got to, like, actually do. Uh, but now it is, which feels just like... I don't know. It was just like a really, uh, it was just like a really good, good moment uh, to to playing video games. That's, that's kind of what it is all about. Um, oh, one second. I am glad that you have uh, been enjoying that. Yeah, no. Uh, similarly, um, I have been. I don't know. I'm working on engineering stuff, um, pushing my way towards the top of that. Um, since I don't have multiple characters, I'm not quite all the way there yet. But like. I've been crafting my own gear. I made myself... I got a second Samoflange that I managed to proc it at five-star. Um, uh, so, you know, I've got, like, a high-inspiration hammer and a high-multi-craft hammer, multi-craft for Hell yeah. components. Um, or I guess the Samoflange is technically... Uh, you know, just, like, working through stuff is, has been has been fun. Um, mad that I got my second gold coin and didn't get a... Uh, didn't get the, the Kazgrite Fisher Fiend. And at that point, I just threw up my hands and bought one off the AH. For like 60k. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, I've been working through those types of things. Um, yeah, I feel like I am kind of in maintenance mode too, right? And I only play one character, so it's not like um, I'm putting a ton of time in. But I think next week I might start putting more time in just because they're uncapping um, Conquest. And I can just like put reps in and not feel like I'm like wasting time, quote unquote. Um, yeah, yep. Although I do some... Yeah, I mean... Go on. Oh, I'm sorry. Go for it. I was going to say, sometimes I find solo shuffle frustrating because it feels like sometimes it's just the luck of the draw rather than, like, my own efforts. But, you know, that's that's typical kind of, like, unorganized, multi, you know, competitive multiplayer. But you were going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the uncapping of Conquest and Valor is a really interesting, um, really, you know, fun thing that, that's happening because it's going to make spamming dungeons quite a lot 
uh, a lot more, a lot more fun and um, and interesting. I did, I did a bunch of dungeons. We're really trying to push towards twenties. That's the thing. It's like we want to get a twenty completed in all of the in all of the dungeons. So you get a tele. You, if you do that before the end of the season, you get a teleport to that dungeon. And I just think that that's like neat. That's like a fun, neat thing to kind of like push for. Um, and you know, some of this stuff is just starting to get uh, sublimated in a way that I think is interesting. Ever since I started thinking in terms of sublimation, um, which is to say, the process of like making these things unconscious, right? Where like you're you're not thinking about your rotation, you're not thinking about whatever. You're sort of reacting because you can, you you are so well practiced that you can anticipate these things via muscle memory, essentially. Um, you know, doing that with some of these dungeons is like really satisfying. We did it with no kud uh, offensive, and we did a no kud offensive. We two chested a no no kud offensive sixteen, which just felt really good to like execute without mistakes. Just we knew our packs, we knew where we were going, we knew what we were interrupting, all of this other sort of stuff. Um, and it's taken longer than I expected to coalesce that into you know like our mythic plus kind of running and team, um, but. You know, yeah, it's been the, it's been, I don't know, fun, how we're, how we're, how we're doing it, I guess. Um, the other thing I've been playing, what else have I been playing? Hearthstone. Uh, the Hearthstone meta is more fun now. Uh, did I talk about the, the Knoll nerf? Yes, yeah, you did, you did. Yeah, so the Knoll nerf did this, did this crazy thing, which is you get rid of the zero mana 3-5 rushing defense minion for r making Rogue the best deck in the game, um, and all of a sudden early aggro minion strategies start popping up again, which has made Control Warrior kind of good again. Um, and I'm beginning to just sort of realize that there's sort of two brands of control deck, uh, or like Control Warrior deck, one in which you are playing against aggro, and one in which you are playing against other control. And I don't think Control Warrior is ever good or ever really fun when it is up against other control decks, right? Um, my Control Warrior deck, which has been uh, performing pretty well. Uh, actually, now that I think about it, how well has it been performing? Um, I can look at the stats. My Control Warrior deck, which I feel like has been performing pretty well, um, is just so good at beating down these aggro decks. And that is... That feels amazing. I think when I was describing Control Warrior being the most fun I've ever had earlier this year, it, it's really that. It was in a really aggressive meta where, you know, the turn to kill was like, you know, between five and seven. And so to play this one um, class... Oh, yeah, wow, I am undefeated on that Warrior deck. Um, so to play this one class that just armors up completely out of range um, and makes for these, like, extremely devastating plays um by wiping whole whole boards in like one fell swoop that, that's just very it's very uh affirming i guess to play that again even though anytime i play like a blood death knight for instance would be a good example anytime i play a blood death knight i feel like i just sort of auto lose because at the end of the day it's just like very hard to create uh the space to win against these other control decks because they outvalue you um over time and maybe that's just okay maybe that's where control warrior lives and i just have to be okay with that i'm gonna absolutely destroy the best deck in the game which is unholy death knight right now um and you know lose to some of these other decks that are less good fringe stuff like um like blood uh death knight the mini set is coming soon which you know i am um, excited for just because uh it has a couple of, it has a couple of neat cards one of which i think will slot into i think maybe we'll slot into control warrior we'll see uh and uh and yeah other than that man what else have i been playing 
Um, yeah, I've just been playing like a lot of our games. I've been playing a ton of uh, of Zoetti, which is one of our roguelike um, games, just because there was some debate internally on whether the game was balanced or not because people had been reporting that they couldn't beat it. And I was like, oh, I beat that game like all the time. Like maybe this is just maybe this is just a matter of get good you know, skill issue to, skill issue yeah the skill skill issue kind of thing. I don't want to say that because there are some pieces of the game that are that just feel very impossible to get on top of, um, which is not so bad, I guess. Um, but you know. Uh, we try our best, I guess. I don't know. We, we sort of try our best. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I guess that's it. Have you been Have you been watching anything interesting? Are you... Uh, what, what, what's been on the, do- the docket? Um, I don't... I don't think I've been, like, doing it like, you know, what? I've been watching... Um, uh, actually, no, I, I just haven't watched a lot of what I watched. I've watched a bunch of YouTube videos, probably. Um, and that's basically it. Um, did anything really like stick out at me now that I look at it? Oh, I watched, I, I'm behind, but I just watched the uh, the two most recent episodes of Has Been Hotel, which is a fun, fun show to watch. Um, it's, it's good for what it is. Um, and I've been watching, you know, so we were talking about um, the dropout stuff. I watched a couple episodes of uh, uh, of uh, Um Actually, which uh, I like Um Actually. I like Um Actually a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, Um Actually is one that, that Rachel likes to show me because, uh, especially if it's a topic that I know a lot about, I will be able to answer the questions before the contestants will. Um, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I like, so I like Game Changer as a piece of entertainment. I like Um Actually as like a game show to play along with, right? Like, yeah. Yep. Um, no, there, there was, there was an episode of, of game changers that I absolutely despised, um, that I couldn't even finish watching, which was, it was one where they were, I think it was like the first or second season where like they were betting points on whether or not a thing actually existed or not, like behind a curtain. <laughs> and I hated it so much. Cause I immediately saw the problem with it, which is like, they went to each person and they said, does this exist or not? And you bet a number, Right. And if it existed, you got you doubled your money. And if it didn't, you got rid of it. But they're just rotating through people. So, like, naturally their chances to win money or, like, win prizes were uh, – so the, the other – the objective was that they'd actually win the stuff. But, like, the, the – your only opportunity to gain points is if it actually exists, right? It's not like if you, you – could. it's not like you could bet that it didn't exist and make money off of it, right? This is, this, right. This is like, just like a system, systemic problem with the game. Is like you, <laughs> if you don't have the the same opportunity to, to guess things, then like it, it's not a fair game. It just drove yeah. me bonkers. Um, <laughs> uh, there's there's one episode of Game Changers. I don't know if you saw it, but I saw clips from it that I thought were really funny, which was like about heart rate. They they needed to keep their heart rate down. Oh, I I think I've seen a clip from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the clip that was making the rounds that I thought was hilarious was. Um, <laughs> It was the like the question is hidden essentially, right? Um, but they play like a little mini game, and at the end of the mini game, it sort of reveals what the question is, and like they can kind of figure it out, right? 
And so what it was is it was like it was like Brendan Lee Mulligan, two other people, and uh, and so Sam, the announcer, goes to the first person and he says, "We're gonna we're gonna play. What's this bird?" And he puts a bird up there. And it's a bald eagle. The guy goes, "Oh, it's a bald eagle." And then the second guy he goes, "Okay, what's this bird?" He puts it up there. It's a flamingo. He goes, "Oh, a flamingo." He puts the third one up there for Brendan Lee Mulligan, and it is some bird you have never seen in your fucking life. And he's like, "Um." I uh, and then he's like, "Ooh, really?" The answer I was looking for was rosate spoonbill. <laughs> like, that was no way he would have gotten that. There was, and so they did a couple of rounds of that or whatever. And he's like, "the The question for this round was, can Brennan lose?" <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen, but there's the uh, spoilers for Game Changer Season Two, but uh, there there is an episode. Where the game is like the, um, the game is basically like uh, Sam says yes, yes, no, uh, or like yes or no, yes or no, and everybody has to guess yes or no, and uh, trying to figure out what the rule is, right? And the rule is just like Brennan Lee Mulgan's always wrong, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I thought like he is he is my probably my favorite. Of the of the cast on 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 that. Oh episode. yeah, me too. I think he's the standout of that cast. I also like uh, I also like Zach Zakoyama. Um, Zakoyama yeah. is my is my he, other favorite. Those two it, together. The the three of them that do like the sound one. Um, uh, yeah, I who the, th- the sound one is so funny. I want to die sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there's this there's this one that they do which is like. Um, <laughs> It's like one of you is the devil, the other is the angel on on his shoulder, and he's talking about maybe eating uh, an egg that, like a, a hard boiled egg that he left in his car two weeks ago, and it's maybe and it's maybe spoiled. And it's just like that. That clip has got to exist somewhere. It is the funniest fucking shit I have ever watched. I was dying laughing. I think I was actually in the car. When we were doing that, we were we were driving somewhere, and Rachel had put it on in the car, and I was laughing so hard, I was like, "I'm gonna fucking crash this <laughs> car," because <laughs> I am laughing so hard. Very good, very good. Oh man, yeah. Dropout TV, killing it. Yeah, I guess yeah. is the uh, is the moral of the story. Rachel's gonna be very excited to he- to hear that one. I feel like because uh, she's been going really hard on dropout stuff. Um, has there been anything else that's like grabbed my attention? I've been doing some home improvement stuff for like. Yeah. Oh. oh, nice! Uh, so actually, this is, um, this is this was has been an issue, and I'm not thinking about it because I'm sitting down right now. But I was like cleaning. My parents came up for the Super Bowl, and I was cleaning my house, and I literally fell down the stairs, and it sucked. Um, and like I didn't break anything, but my right foot is like not quite right. Um, oh no! Um, so like I've been dealing with that, but like what like. Um, my dad was always planning on helping with some stuff, but like I patched a hole in the ceiling, and you know I, uh, and we, uh, or so like you know, my my shower started leaking, and I got a professional to actually fix the drain, but like it, you know, put a hole in the ceiling, and so I patched that. I felt felt very efficient. I like put up some shelves. I put up a coat rack. Um, my dad helped me like paint. So the 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 house I purchased. Um, the, one of the rooms was like a kid's room and it's like deep shade of blue with like marks on the walls and like dirty carpet. But like we, sure. we've, we primed the walls so I could paint it a new color if I wanted. feels very, it's, it's fun to do homeownership stuff. Um, or at least I find a lot of satisfaction in it. 
Yeah, yeah fair enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was watching stuff uh, all week. What was I watching? I, I'm trying to catch up on Stranger Things mm. um, is my newest thing. And then I've also been clearing. I'm almost done with Andor. And I'm literally in the last episode. And I don't want to watch it because it's so good. And I don't want it okay. to be over. Yeah, no, I, um, I, I, need to, <laughs> I need to go watch that at some point. I need to, I need to get caught up on a bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah, there's so many of those things I feel like I need to get yeah. um, uh, caught up on. Somebody was telling me about um, uh, Loki is like a is like a predecessor to Quantumania, and that you're supposed to watch Loki before watching Quantumania. Really? And I was like, I don't fucking believe that. I think that's that's not true. But what if it is true? Ugh. Fuck me. Shoot me. Hit me with your car. I don't want to do this. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I, might, I might go watch Quantumania just because of that. Because I, 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 I want, or not Quantumania, Loki. I wanted to watch Loki. Loki yeah. yeah. Um, I felt like I, I couldn't watch Loki until I went and watched Winter Soldier, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And, yep. Uh, but I'm just going to go watch Loki because <sighs> fuck it. it. This is it, right? This is the, you know, that feeling of just... Um, uh, like infinite Marvel shit to to kind of keep up with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then there's going to be infinite DCU stuff to keep up with. Yay! Uh, two Ezra Millers. Two Ezra Millers. Did you watch the Flash trailer? I I did because um not in any detail. Like I didn't watch it closely, but okay. like I my my favorite Twitter take was like. <laughs> He's like, some executive at DC. He's like, you fucking hate Ezra Miller? We'll have fucking two of them. <laughs> um, yeah, I was surprised how positive people were. I thought the Guardians trailer, I haven't even watched the Guardians trailer. I thought the Guardians trailer was going to be the big thing that everybody was talking about. But no, it's the... Um, it's probably because Michael uh, Keaton's It's the Flash trailer. Sorry, what? Michael Keaton is Batman. Oh, yeah. I also just think that trailer is really good, to be yeah. honest. I knew about Zod. I knew that Zod was in it and was going to be back in the movie. Um, but I didn't quite understand w to what extent or how much. And so the framing of, um, you know, uh, that they're going back to the events of Man of Steel, where Zod first shows up. I'm just like, ooh, baby! Yeah, like, give me that! I need it in my life! Um, so speaking of actually DC stuff, something I have been doing is going back and rewatching the Max Landis, um, uh, oh, sure. uh, you know, his alternate universe. Cause he, he wrote, what is it? American alien, um, American which, alien. Yeah. One of the comics. And he is basically, he has laid out that if he were to have his way, he would do this whole, like, I think it's like six book series and it's got like his interpretation of all the characters and he just talks about them on his YouTube channel. And apparently he's like, he's had like a feature length animated thing in the works for a long time. Um, or maybe it's not animated, but like he posts like short videos from it. And like, I went and rewatched the, um, the, the, his flash video, which is in, in his universe, Barry Allen's like this arrogant scientist who ends up like working for Lex. Cause he's like in debt, but like everybody thinks the flash is a robot. Um, but he's not, it's Barry Allen inside the suit. And at some, at some point he, he basically so the the framing for the video is that the entity known as the Flash has revealed himself to be Barry Allen and then immediately goes to Langley and turns himself into the FBI to try and protect him himself and his family from uh, from from Lex Luthor um, and uh, he's, he he talks about it and it's interesting because I watched that back to back with the um, with the Victor Freeze video Max Landis plays both these characters in these videos um, and that like. Barry and Victor Freeze were colleagues inside of Lex Luthor's um, 
like super scientists, you know, evil scientists plan and they talk about it. And it's interesting because he does, he does some cool stuff where like, you know, they, um, they kind of like, like, you know, it rhymes to, to, to take a George Lucas quote, right? Like, um, uh, like Barry Allen says, it's like, it's, it's, it's as if the whole world was seeing in blue and I discovered the color red and then Victor Freeze is something like, it's if the whole world was in gray and I discovered the color blue. Right. And talking about like the, the, the monumentalism of their side, like, you know, the, the, the kind of idea that like, you know, if these technologies are applied in a way that benefits humanity, which in, uh, in Max Landis's universe, these characters want to, but they're under the thumb of Lex, so they can't like, could be transformative mm-hmm. in a way that's very positive for humanity. Um, and so, you know, uh, he also obviously doesn't know his science super great. Um, this is actually to, to bring it back to our, um, our discussion of fast, Fast and Furious, this is something I was thinking of, is, like, I feel like Fast and Furious is, like, right on the edge of when you can, like, when movies started running out of excuses for getting things, like, very wrong, right? Yeah. Like, like I, I feel like it's happening all throughout the aughts where, like, there's a point where, like, like, maybe even, like, to a point where, like, you might understand where it's expensive to, like, hire a professional to tell you what you've got fucked up. And then at some point... Right. It's like, just fucking Google it, man. You can tell like the obvious stuff. Right. Like, um, and that I, I, I feel like that happens like right around like the late aughts. Maybe I'm wrong on the timing of that. Okay. Yeah. 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 In fast nine short or fast. Four. Four, uh, four. Yeah, yeah. Fast in fast and four. Right. It felt like that was the last time like you could, like, cause it felt like there was some stuff in there that like seemed, um, super ridiculous. I can't remember what it was, but there was something that was like, this is like way too like this is like way too unbelievable to like pass like basic muster, um, and like you just can't get away with it, that kind of thing anymore. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about? God, is there anything else I want to talk did, about? Did you Did you happen to give Marvel Snap a try? No, I still haven't. Um, I watched a lot of it. I basically spent like two and a half hours watching my friend Patrick play. Um, he was playing a discard deck using Hella and Modok and the Swarm. Yeah, Modok was in the deck. Mo- um, Modok is the seasonal card, um, so that's okay. He's, he's big. It's a quantum mania yeah, the, season kind of. He was doing a thing. It was um, what was he doing? He was doing Modok. He was doing Hella. Um, he was doing Calling Wing. Um, he was doing Death. Uh, I don't know, just like a bunch of different cards. Uh, Apocalypse was in there. I don't know how Apocalypse works. I really didn't get a sense for how any of this stuff works, but it was funny just like being in the call and understanding because he was talking about like he was streaming in Discord for a bunch of us to watch, um, and I was working on my other screen, and it was just interesting um, that we were that we were having this kind of. Uh, like conversation and that he knew he was like he was like able to predict so much about what his opponents were were going to do based on like their early plays and stuff like that i just thought that was neat i thought that was neat i thought that was uh i don't know i thought that was cute yeah no it's a neat game right like you get consistency by virtue of the fact that it's a 12 card deck and you're going to see like approximately nine of your cards right like um so it's uh it's uh it's a very interesting it's an interesting game um, and I'm, I'm having fun with it so far. Um, I haven't bought the second season pass yet, but, like, I've been playing the shit out of it. I've been, like, regularly clearing the missions, so I probably will at some point. But, uh, yeah, it's a fun game. Okay. Easy to pick up. It's it's kind of my go-to, like, I need a break from work or I need to, you know, go to the bathroom or whatever. 
um you know it's it's my go-to kind of oh yeah that that has been mining in in wow for me that like if i am listening to a like a podcast on something um or like watching like a video or just kind of like mindlessly just like decompressing i am mostly getting onto a character that hasn't done the weeklies uh for that profession and i am just like going out and mining nodes until i get all of my things so yeah, so that's actually I I cannot that's different, right? Like I have to concentrate, so it has to be something that I can do without like, like if I need a break from work or if I you know need something you know to distract me on the toilet, I play Marvel Snap. But I oh, can't I, I can't listen to yeah. a podcast and and play that game at this at the same time. Um, oh that, yeah, okay, that would make sense. Yeah, um, yeah, but uh, that has been most of my my week. Um, yeah. Okay, well, All right. I guess that's it. Yeah, I'm, Ending on time for once in our fucking lives. Yeah, Let's yeah. go. I'll, well, uh, <laughs> if you'd yeah. like to email us about any of the things we talked about on the show, you can email us at drippsplaygames at gmail.com or podcast.drippsplaygames.com. You can follow us twitch.tv slash drippsplaygames or youtube.com slash Games where these go out live. Um, uh, we've got a Patreon. Um, uh, rate and review us wherever you find podcasts. Buddy, that's everything I have. Do you have anything you want to promote? Uh, you know, I don't really have anything to promote. I'm playing co-op this week on, on the Aquapara stream. If people want to come hang out. It's uh, we're, do, we're doing co-op Rain World again. Uh, <laughs> so that's Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, well, check it out. All right. Uh, with that, I'm going to say uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.